Um, we have been talking about the power of the tongue. And so if you would, let's turn to Deuteronomy. We're going to the 30th chapter, and we're going to go to the 15th verse. Deuteronomy 30, 15. And it says, See, I have set before thee this day life and good, death and evil, in that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that thou mayest live and multiply. And the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whither thou goest to possess it. But if thy heart turn away, and that if thou will not hear, but shall be drawn away and worship at the other gods and serve them, I denounce unto you this day that you shall that you shall surely perish, in that ye shall not prolong your days upon the land, whither thou passest over the Jordan to go possess it. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life, that both thou and thy seed may live, that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and thou mayest obey his voice, and that thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is thy life and the length of days, that thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to uh, give them. And so we've been kind of hitting this over and over and over again, uh, but the point that he's making is the fact that uh, when you understand that life and death has been set before you, he says that whatever choice you make can lengthen your days or it can shorten your days. And in other words, he says, you shall perish. Not that uh, he's going to just flat out uh, destroy you because that's not what God does. But the enemy begins to work when you start speaking death and cursing. And the enemy starts to shorten the days of your life. And it's amazing to me how people don't realize they think they were born with an expiration date on your foot. You don't have an expiration date. Uh, the Bible says that it, it, it dependent upon your obedience to the things of God will determine the length of your days and that your days can be lengthened uh, the more obedient you become uh, to what God has said. And so he says, literally, I call heaven and earth to record this against you. In other words, so that heaven and earth and everything in it knows that life and death is really in your power. It is not uh, within the power of Satan. A lot of times people want to put this on Satan and say, well, Satan did this and Satan did that. But the reality is that what is blessed cannot be uh, cursed. And so when we, uh, we kind of hit on James, where James said that the, you know, the tongue becomes the rudder of your life. In other words, wherever your tongue goes, uh, your body will soon follow and your life will soon follow because that's what a rudder uh, does. And so guarding your mouth uh, becomes extremely important because whatever you say, uh, you shall have. And, and that's where we're going to pick up at this point. It's Ezekiel uh, 35. Ezekiel 35. How many of you know God expects us to produce? He expects us to uh, yield fruit. He expects us to yield uh, and produce. And the Bible says that we are uh, his garden. And he expects, who plants a garden and doesn't expect anything to grow from it? 
you know, the whole nature of being a garden means that you're going to produce. And even if you're going to produce flowers or you're going to produce uh, food or whatever it is, but there's something that God expects from you uh, when he calls you his garden. And so we have to realize that a lot of times people say, well, does it really matter what I say? Does it really matter uh, the things that I speak? Well, I mean, God says it's a matter of life and death. So I'm not quite sure what's more serious than that. Um, But if you find something more serious than life and death, then I guess you could uh, subordinate what you say to that. But as far as I'm concerned, there's not much more important than life or death. And so if he ties life and death to the power of the tongue, then how many of you know that's extremely significant and we ought to pay attention to that? And so Ezekiel 35, 13 He says, thus with your mouth you have boasted against me and have multiplied your words against me. Notice what he says. I have heard them. them. (laughs) I think a lot of times people think God doesn't hear the, the crazy things that you say. And whether they are meant in any certain type of way, it is important for us to understand he heard me. And that's why I said, thus with your mouth, uh, you have boasted against me. He said, and have multiplied your words against me because I have heard them. And isn't it something how what he has heard gets multiplied? (laughs) So then what you say affects God and it affects how he responds. So then when we begin to see that the Bible tells us that he hears us at all times. Let's go to John, 1 John real quick. 1 John 5. And this is the record that God has given us eternal life. Verse 11. And this life is in his Son. And that hath the Son hath life, and he hath not the Son of God, have not life. These things I have written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, Whatsoever we ask, we know that we shall have uh, petitions that we desired of him. I think sometimes in in this area, people think that God is up there, out there. Uh, In other words, that God is ethereal, that God is is distant, that he is so far away from us, never realizing that God is very much everywhere, all the time. He knows everything, and he is intimately connected to us in a way that he knows everything we say. And so if he knows everything we say and he hears us, then it's important for you to recognize that at all times, whatever it is you're saying means something to him. And if it means something to him, then we ought to spend a little bit more time thinking about what it is that we say, more importantly, before <laughs> we actually say it. Matthew ten thirty one. He says, fear ye not, therefore, ye are more value uh, than many sparrows. Whosoever, therefore, shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father, which is in heaven. 
But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Think not that I came to send peace on the earth. I came, I came not to send peace, but a sword. And he goes on to talk about how uh, the things concerning him would separate people. But I think the important piece that you need to understand is when you are dealing with God, Jesus is telling you flat out, the how you speak determines how he speaks. If you confess, he confesses. See, I, I want you to see the parallel and, and the, the typing and, and the uh, shadowing or the, the, ex, the uh, example that Jesus is giving to let you know that what you, if you do this, I do this. You have a lot more responsibility uh, than people realize in terms of how you receive or how you deal with God. So many people think that it doesn't matter what you say, and they think it's an undue burden to have to be careful how you speak. They're like, well, that's just unnecessary. No, it's very necessary because you will have what you say. And that's why all the time, if you, you know, people come up with stuff, well, if you say so. Well, you just don't understand. I'm different. If you say so, well, you just don't understand. That don't work for me. If you say so, because everything you say will become so. Let's look at Malachi 2. Malachi 2, uh, verse 17. Your words have been stout against me. Actually, I'm sorry. Uh, 2.17 is, Ye have wearied the Lord with your words. Yet ye say, Wherein have we wearied him? When you say, Everyone that doeth evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delighteth in, in them, or where is the judgment of God? In other words, here they are speaking against the things of God. They're wondering why evil prospers. They're wondering things why, you know, you, you ever hear people say, Well, you know, I tried to serve the Lord and it just didn't work out, and I tried this and it didn't work. I tried to tithe and it didn't work. All these things are, are really saying that evil wins, that the ways of God are not. And he said, your words are, are, are wearying him. In other words, he's tired of it. <laughs> Can you imagine wearying out a God who has no ability to be wearied? <laughs> he has no ability to be tired. He's all-powerful, yet he's saying, you have wearied me out <laughs> with your mouth. And that's something. A lot of times, boy, people don't understand. Their mouth is more of a weapon than their fist could ever be. <laughs> watch, watch Malachi 3. Turn the page. Malachi 3.13. Because he didn't like it the first time, and he still don't like it. Your words have been stout against me, saith the Lord. Yet ye say, what have we spoken so much against thee? Isn't this something how he keeps having to remind them of what they say? In, in other words, <laughs> he has to keep bringing it back to their remembrance what they keep saying. As if what they say is not something they're mindful of. 
that they just keep talking without realizing the things they say. And he's got to keep bringing them back to it and say, let me tell you what you keep saying. There must be a disconnect between what they are saying and what God wants them to say, or else he wouldn't have anything to say. But he keeps telling them over and over again, you know, you're wearing me out with your words. Look at what he says here. Your words have been stout against me. In other words, they've been stiff against me, resistant. In other words, instead of yielding to what God would want them to say, they've held so strong to what they want to say that they have been rigid or they've been stout against him or they've been standing against him. And notice what he says. Yet you say, when I tell you that, you're like, hey, what did I say? You know how many times people do stuff like that? You know what you said. Well, wait a minute, what did I say? No, you know what you said. <laughs> you know exactly what you said. But now that you've had a chance to think about it, because it came out so fast, <laughs> now you want to try to pull a Jedi mind trick. Like, seriously? You know exactly what you said, and you meant it. Ye have said, it is vain to serve God. And what profit is that which we have kept his ordinance? That we have walked mournfully before the Lord of hosts. In other words, yeah, I'll serve God, but I don't want to. But I'm going to do it because I'm obedient. People crack me up with that. Oh, I'm obedient. I'll, I'll obey. Ultimately, I'll obey. He doesn't care that you obey. He wants to know, are you willing? Because the willing and the obedient are the ones that eat the good of the land. And so many people are not eating the good of the land because they call themselves obedient, but they're not willing. And because they're not willing, what they're saying is to do it God's way, there's no profit in it. That they found a greater profit in doing it the world's way because in doing it the world's way, they seem to get instant gratification, but they don't get God gratification. And so God is saying, listen, we're not going to do this. You're acting like what I'm telling you to do is a burden. You're acting like what I've asked you to do is not joyful. You're acting like what I've asked you to do uh, flies in the face of your peace and joy. Well, it's just hard serving the Lord. Well, no, it's hard being you. That's what is hard. Because when you do what he's asked you to do, you'll make, the Bible in so many places says, you will make your way prosperous. So he said, you have said there is vain to serve God. In other words, there's no point in serving God. What profit is it that we've kept his ordinance? In other words, we've done what he's asked us to do, but yet we haven't gained anything because of it. Then he says in verse uh, 15, and now we call the proud happy. Yea, they that work wickedness are set up. And notice what he then says. Yea, they that tempt God are even delivered. Then they are feared. Then they, then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another. And the Lord listened and heard it. And the book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. They shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts. In that day, when I make up my jewels, I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. When, ye, or when shall ye return and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serveth God and him that serveth not? He's like, uh, you know, I'll remember the ones whose heart's with me. I'll remember the one, but the ones whose mouth is against me, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. This is what people don't understand. They think what they say doesn't matter. 
No, what you say absolutely matters, and it's a reflection of your heart. That's why when people say, oh, I didn't mean that, I was just angry. No, you meant it. But your anger took the filter down. It's that, it's, that, it's that place in your head that stops you from saying things that you know you shouldn't say until you have gotten so heated and angry that now you say whatever you want to say and then people say, oh, that was just a crime of passion. No, that's not a crime of passion. That's really how you feel. You just happen to slip up. And God knows that. That's why he's like, you know, your words are stout against me. You don't have to show me your actions, I can hear it in your mouth. And the truth of the matter is your mouth reflects. And your actions reflect your... Everybody still okay? And so... uh, (coughs) (laughs) Praise the Lord. It is... uh, (coughs) It is amazing to me how... When you look at, for example, let's go to Proverbs 10. Proverbs 10, verse. um, Let's go to verse 18. He that hateth hatred with lying lips, he that othereth a slander, is a fool. In the multitude of words there wanteth not sin, but he that refraineth his lips is wise. The tongue of the just is a choice silver, and the heart of the wicked is of little worth. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for the want of wisdom. The blessing of the Lord, (laughs) it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow to it. It is a sport to a fool to do mischief, but a man of understanding has wisdom. Isn't that something how he's saying that it's it's almost like a desire. It's a sport for, for, for foolish people to do evil things and to do bad things. You know, you you watch today uh, the way a lot of these TV shows are now geared towards doing the dumbest thing you can find and hurting yourself and doing stupid stuff. And it's like, and and we call it entertainment. We call it reality TV. When the truth of the matter is, it's not reality at all. But it builds into an idea that it's fun to do stupid stuff. It's fun to do mischief. It's enjoyable and purposeful to do something stupid. And you've got to really think about what he's saying here because he's talking about that the mouth of the, of the righteous is a well of life. Verse 11, he says, but violence cover the mouth of the wicked. It's funny how he keeps hitting his mouth. He's talking about the lips of him of understanding. Wisdom is found. But uh, verse 13, in the lips of him that hath understanding, wisdom is found. But notice what he says. But a rod is for the back of him that is void of understanding. You know, you know, you know it would probably be better how to read that? <clears throat> the rod is for the backside of him that is void of understanding. In other words, people wonder why they keep getting their butt whooped. <laughs> and he's saying the rod is for that because you're void of understanding. 
He said, but the lips of him that understand, of understanding, there's wisdom in their, in their mouth. And he keeps talking about this, and he's talking about wise men lay up knowledge. The rich man's wealth is a strong city. And then he says, the labor of the righteous tendeth to life, but the fruit of the wicked is to sin. Verse 17, he is the way of life and keeping instruction, but he that refuses reprove the error. And then he says, he that hideth hatred with lying lips, and he to other slander is a fool. The multitude of words, there is want to not sin. But he that refraineth his lips is wise. And then he starts talking about the blessing of the Lord maketh rich. <clears throat> People have no idea that if you are supposed to recognize that the fruit of your lips is the fruit you eat, then he's telling you flat out the difference between uh, rich people and poor people is their mouth. He's hitting it over and over and over and over again. He's like, watch your mouth. Uh, the, the lips of the, of the uh, wise or lips of understanding uh, leaks wisdom. And he's literally hitting the mouth of a fool, the mouth of the rich, the mouth of the fool, the mouth of the rich, the mouth of the fool, the mouth of the rich. And a lot of people think that the difference between wealthy people and poor people is, in fact, their work. Well, this one has a better job than this one. This one has a better uh, uh, station in life than this one. This one had better opportunities than this one. And he keeps hitting one thing. Because he's telling you, it's the blessing of the Lord that maketh rich. And hard work adds nothing to it. So if work gets removed from the uh, equation, then the only common denominator is your mouth. And your, and your mouth is a reflection of your heart. Wealthy people think different. It's amazing to me uh, how many people, for example, will go to the gas station and put uh, $5 worth of gas in their car and then pull off. Never thinking that, number one, you are wearing your gas pump out. You're, you're in, in your car, the actual ga- the pump that pumps your gas. You're wearing it out. And then later on, now you have a $500 repair because you are being silly. It takes the same amount of gas to do what you have to do. Well, Pastor, you don't know the struggle. I do know the struggle, but I can tell you this much. I don't care what you do. It still adds up. So you're better off biting a bullet early and putting what you need to fill it up and then not having to do that every two days. Thinking about the time it takes every two days to have to put more gas. Who's got time for that? See, wealthy people think differently about their time. They find ways. What is more efficient and what's more effective? How do I guard time? So many poverty-minded people guard money more than they guard their time. And that's why they can't make more money because time is not connected to money. That's one of the greatest revelations that if you ever get when it concerns God, time and money are not the same thing. But a lot of people think they are. That's why 9 to 5 is tied to money. It's a one-to-one equation. The moment you start believing God, that's when he said the blessing of the Lord's would make it rich. And it adds no toil. That word sorrow means toil or hard work does nothing for it. And so people, well, you know, and, and you deal with this more with people who are self-made. In other words, they feel like, well, I've made my own life and I, I've had to scratch and claw to get everything I've ever had to get. You just don't understand. No, I do understand. Imagine what you could have if you would just let God do it. Imagine what you could have if you would stop speaking against your own seed. Imagine what you would have if you stopped confessing 
you're not smart enough, you're not this enough, you're not that. It's amazing to me how many people, you, you can literally hear everything they say is geared towards unraveling whatever God could possibly do in their life. Well, you don't understand, things like that don't happen to people like me, if you say so. But one thing I can tell you, if you don't change your mindset, you'll never change your bank account. It's very, it's very simple. And, and so many people do not connect these principles. And he's hitting it. He's like the mouth of the wise, the mouth of the wise, the mouth of the wise. Why? Because that is so significant to the outcome of everything you do. And if you can get your mouth there, I, I've seen people where they're like, well, you know, I've been struggling uh, with, let's say it's smoking. Well, then I remember Dad Hagen telling a story about a guy who kept coming to him, talking about he, you know, wants to quit smoking and he just can't and he's, you know, he's this, that, and the third. And, and Dad Hagen told him, he said, listen, here's what I want you to do. Every time you buy a cigarette, I want you to say, thank you, God, I've been delivered. He said, but I'm buying cigarettes. He goes, I know, but I want you to say, thank you, God, I've been delivered. Every time you light one up, he said, I want you to say, thank you, God, that I've been delivered. He said, every time you take a puff, I want you to say, thank you, Lord, that I've been delivered from this. He said, but you don't understand. I'm actually doing it. He said, I know. <laughs> but what you are doing is not what drives. What you say is what drives. So while you might be doing it, when you get your mouth together, pretty soon everything else. Listen. Listen. If your mouth is the rudder and the ship is your body, the ship doesn't determine the direction, determine the direction. The mouth does. So if I turn the mouth, eventually the body turns with it. He said he ran into this man later on, he got delivered. See, you have to understand your mouth is the rudder. It is everything. And when you don't have the ability to control that thing, there, there, there it is. Watch Hebrew, uh, Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4, verse 1. Let us therefore fear, lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest. Any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest. As he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundations of the world. For he spake in a certain place on the seventh day of his, on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not because of what? Unbelief. Again, he limited a certain day, saying in David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice and harden not your hearts, 
For if Jesus had given them, or Joshua, but it's, it's Jesus here, but he's referring to Joshua, had given them rest, then would he not afterwards have spoken of another day. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that has entered into his rest, he also have ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Now watch what he explains here. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in the sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Seeing then we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our... If you look at certain translations, you'll see it says confession, or let us hold to what we say. Notice the, trans, the, the, uh, the transitions points. He starts out with, they couldn't get into the rest of God because their hearts weren't able to mix what they heard with faith. So notice what he's doing. He's saying, okay, you got problems with, the, with your ears because you wouldn't hear what was being said. So you couldn't get into the rest of God. Or in other words, he's saying that after Joshua, there was still a rest to come. So when God was talking about a Sabbath rest, he wasn't talking about a day. Because remember, God never went back to work on the eighth day. I need you to understand that. So when people talk about Sabbath, they act like it's just a day. It's not a day, it's a principle. Because if it was just a day, God would have went back to work on Monday. But he didn't go back to work on Monday. He was teaching us a principle of how to enter into his rest and abstain from all of your own works. That you trust him and you rest in him. Now, he guides you and leads you. Now, I'm not telling you you don't have to work and you're just going to be lazy. What I'm trying to get you to understand is that what you do is not of yourself, it's of him. But they can never get to that place where the blessing of the Lord maketh rich and adds no sorrow to it because he's telling them you couldn't mix what you heard that went from your ears to your heart and you couldn't mix it with faith. And so now he then tells you, how do you mix it with faith? Guard your profession or your confession. So how do you mix with faith your mouth? So he literally takes you on the journey of the word that was preached, and he said it didn't profit them. It's very simple. You know what profit is. Profit is what you have left over at the end of the month. And if you got more money than month, you made a profit. If you got more month than money, you're operating in the negative. Any business understands what a profit is. It means there was no gain to you. And so many people are operating in a place where there's no gain. And they're wondering why there's no gain. Because they're not in the rest of God. And they can't get there because they hear it. <clears throat> it goes into their heart, but they're not mixing it with the rudder of holding fast of their profession or the mixer. You know, if you have a blender, how many of you know without that little blade, your blender is worthless? No, think about it. It's a big piece of equipment. But if it doesn't have a blade on it, it is absolutely worthless. 
You can pour everything you want in there, but the blade is what mixes it. That blade is your tongue. You want to mix things with faith, the words you hear with faith, your tongue is going to have to do it. And again, surprisingly enough, so many people don't see that that's an example of their unbelief. The reason why they can't hold their profession is because they don't have belief. And the reason why they don't have belief is because they don't hold their profession. <laughs> They've got to stay on it. And notice what he says. <clears throat> he says, For we have not have a, a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of your infirmities, but was up all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. This is all about your mouth and knowing that Jesus has been tempted at all points just as we. And there's our ability to come before God is not because of you, it's because of God. That's why I say you can come boldly. But you've got to know your mouth will shipwreck you. Your mouth will take you to places where you don't want to go. And then you're literally mad you're sitting there. And it really has just been the fruit of your lips. You will eat the fruit thereof. Watch uh, Proverbs 10.19 in the the New Living Translation. I love this. Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. (laughs) Put it in, in the message, please. You'll love this one. <clears throat> the more talk, the less truth. The wise measure their words. Isn't that something how I'm amazed at how people will, uh, you know, they have, a, they have a facade when it comes to the church things. And then when they get angry, they'll cuss you out. Call you everything under the book and never having realized that they haven't measured their words. When the Bible says that you have to give an account for every useless and idle word, in certain translations it says every word you speak that's destitute of power, that doesn't have any power behind it, you're going to have to give an account for. (laughs) The more you talk, the less truth. The wise measure their words. Or, or the one before that, NLT, says too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. Let's go to Proverbs fifteen twenty eight. Put in the Amplified, please. Proverbs fifteen twenty eight in the Amplified. It's funny how my dad used to have a saying, and it's actually biblical. The way he says it is not biblical, but what he says uh, is actually uh, closely stated biblically. And he used to say, it's better to be thought dumb and to remain silent than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. In other words, it's better for people to think you're stupid and be quiet. Because when they think you're dumb, they'll, they'll reveal themselves pretty quick. But if you open your mouth 
and you're wrong, you'll reveal how dumb you really are. And so he says, better to be thought of as dumb and remain silent than to open your mouth and remove the doubt. And it's, it's, it's interesting how Proverbs 15, 28 says, <clears throat> the mind of the uncompromisingly righteous studies how to answer. In other words, they pay attention before they respond. But the mouth of the wicked just pours out evil things. You know, people say, I'm just giving a piece of my mind. No, you need to think. <laughs> well, I just, I, I got to say what I got to say, and then I, I'll vent and I'll feel better. No. <laughs> the mouth of the wicked pours out evil. In other words, you don't let it come out of your mouth. You think before you speak. And I'm telling you, if you thought more about what you say before you actually said it, not after you said it, but before you said it, you will find the rudder of your ship will start turning in different directions. Because I'm telling you, every time you speak, you are revealing what your real heart thinks. Uh, you got you to get this connection. Because a lot of people think, well, I'm just talking. No, you're not just talking. Here's what I just was talking. I'm just saying things. I'm just, you know, I'm just venting. Uh, you know, people amaze me when they're talking about I just need to vent. Vent is really a sign of a poor prayer life. And so if you find yourself in the need of venting all the time, then you really got to develop your prayer life and learn where to say these things and who to talk to them about because you're talking to the wrong people if it's that bad. Whatever is going on, the person you're speaking to can't help you. So why vent? The one who, the, it's the blessing of the Lord that maketh rich. And he adds no sorrow with it. Or one translation says, hard work doesn't do a thing. Look at uh, Psalms 39. Psalms 39, verse 3. Psalms 39, verse 3. <clears throat> My heart was hot within me while I was musing or while I was thinking the fire burned. Then <laughs> spake I with my tongue. Not up and out. You ever see people, boy, I mean, just, <clears throat> they no sooner think it than it's come out their mouth. Notice what he said. My heart was hot within me. He said, and while I was thinking about it, and the fire burned, he said, and then I spoke. Not, I got an idea and I opened my, my mouth. Look at Proverbs uh, seventeen twenty seven. Proverbs seventeen twenty seven. <clears throat> he that hath knowledge spareth his words, and a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. Even a fool, look at this, this is what I was just telling you about, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise. For he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. <laughs> it's better to be thought dumb and remain silent than it is to open your mouth and remove the doubt. Let's go to Ecclesiastes 5.2.
Ecclesiastes 5.2. Can you put that in the NIV, please? Don't be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth. So let your words be what? Ecclesiastes 10, 12. Ecclesiastes 10, 12. The words of a wise man's mouth are gracious, but the lips of a fool will swallow up himself. Notice what it says, lips of a fool won't swallow somebody else up. It'll swallow up himself. In other words, you keep going, it gets worse and worse until you consume your own self. And he's saying you'll literally eat your own self in the process. And this is where the challenge becomes because it usually starts in ignorance but it ends with wickedness. And it starts with, I just didn't know, and now my mouth continues at it, and at it, and at it, until you have just consumed your own self. That's why you have two ears and one mouth. (laughs) See, sometimes people gotta learn how to listen. Because when you listen, that's why you have two ears. But you ever notice how even in communication, People aren't listening to you. They're waiting for you to stop. They're waiting for your lips to stop moving so they can interject whatever they want to say. And they're not even listening to what's being said. It's an art to listen. It it really is an effort to actively listen to what people are saying. It's it's interesting because in the sales business, uh, the most successful salespeople are people who know how to listen. You got to know what you're listening for. I remember when I used to train uh, sales reps on the phone, uh, we had these little headsets that had the mute button on them. And as I would sit there, you had a trainer headset that I could hear what is being said, and they're on their headset talking to someone, and there would be times where I'd just hit mute and shut them up. Because I'm like, you're not listening. They're ready. All they're waiting for you to say is, is that cash, check, or charge? That's what they're waiting on. They're waiting for, your, for you to ask them for the business. But because you're continually talking and you're not listening, you're, you're missing opportunities. In any type of environment, I'm telling you, the, the skill of listening becomes absolutely important. Because if you're not listening, you'll never gain uh, understanding. And that's why God gave you two ears and one mouth. So that you would listen to twice as much as you actually say. Let's, uh, <clears throat> let's go to one more place. Matthew 12, 33. Watch what it says here. Either make the tree good 
and his fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For from the fruit is the tree known. Right? Look, look at the, put that in the, in the uh, Young's literal for me, please. Watch what the Young's literal translation says. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For from the fruit is the tree known. So how do we know the tree? We know the tree by its fruit, right? Verse 34. Brood of vipers. In other words, you bunch of snakes. How are you able to speak good things being evil? For out of the abundance of the heart doth speak the mouth, or the mouth speaks. The good man, out of the good treasure of the heart, doeth put forth good things. And the evil man, out of the evil treasure, doeth put forth evil things. And I say to you, that every idle word that men may speak, they shall give for it a reckoning in the day of judgment. That word idle means no power, inactive, and not productive. Now watch what he says. From... For from thy words thou shalt be declared righteous, and from thy words thou shalt be declared unrighteous. That means if you've got an abundance of the wrong things in your life, it's because you've got an abundance of the wrong things coming out of your mouth. And if you've got an abundance of the wrong things coming out of your mouth, then you will have then that means you have an abundance of the wrong things in your heart. And so if you want to have an abundance of the right things in your life, then you're going to have to have an abundance of the right things coming out of your mouth. And if you have the abundance of the right things coming out of your mouth, then you will reveal the abundance of the right things in your heart. So it's so important that you draw the connection there. Once again, what you say to what you believe in your heart is directly affecting what is in your life. So it's not so much what you say, but it's what you believe about what you say. Because a lot of times people will parakeet things. They'll say, well, you know, uh, greater heat is in me and he is in the world. But yet and still you keep running from every situation. And the way you talk is against what you have just said. It, it's parakeeting. Parrot, uh, a parrot does not know when Polly says Polly wants a cracker, the parrot does not know what a cracker is. You can hand them sunflower seeds. They are just as happy to see that as they are cracker. Why? Because they've learned to imitate syllables. They've learned to imitate sounds, and they get a reward. You better know what you're saying. You're not a parakeet. You got to know what you're saying, and you got to know the power behind what you say. Because I guarantee you, when all hell proverbially has broken loose in your life, what you really will start to speak is what you really believe. And all that quote-unquote faith stuff flies out the window because you don't really believe it. And then you'll start saying what you really think and what you really believe. See, I told you this wouldn't work. I knew this God stuff wasn't real. I knew this. And the moment you, the, you have revealed that you never had faith in the first place. And then if you didn't have faith in the first place, then why do you keep saying you believe in God? And then you're going to blame him for something you don't believe because you never took time to get yourself in faith before you jumped out and acted on it. I've seen people go into, 
into business with things. And it's like you are no more a business person than a man on the moon. If you can't work hard for somebody else, you're not going to work hard for yourself. When you don't have a slave master waking you up in the morning to get you to your work with punishment, you are not going to do that when you're sitting at home. Are y'all understand what I'm saying? And so <clears throat> you can't do silly things that you don't have the faith for and then blame God because it was foolishness and presumption on your part, but you want to blame God as if he didn't perform his part. Are we sure we okay? <clears throat> so you have to think about it. If you don't think it's important what you say and you just say whatever, then you realize God doesn't think it's important what you say either in terms of he doesn't honor what you say. He thinks it's very important because what you say is what you're going to have. But if you don't value it and take it seriously, how does he take it seriously? And what you have got to know is Satan does not have the ability to speak things into existence. Think about this for a second. God created all the animals, and then he put them in front of Adam and said, what do you want to call it? Why would he do that? Satan's never created any creature. He's never called anything into existence. Man has the ability to do that. We are the only ones made in his image. So then how do you think Satan, all these things that you want to blame God for, how do you think they got here? If he does not have the ability to speak things into existence, man has the ability to make that happen. We were the ones created in God's image. So if he doesn't have that ability then how do we have all these things that we wrestle against? Somebody had to be yielded enough to do it and to speak it. And there are plenty of yielded vessels running around creating the things that he wants to be created. Because we're the ones who have that ability. Hallelujah. Well, <laughs> I got plenty more, but here's the one thing about Wednesday nights. They come around with amazing regularity. So let's, I, I'm sorry to crash land this one, but let's pray. Father, we just thank you for the word. We thank you that as we continue to study your word and gain re deeper revelations of how to control, how to uh, influence our mouths and yield ourselves to the Holy Ghost inside of us, that we would speak only what you would desire us to speak and that we would give greater regard for what we say, that we would not count it as a light thing, for you said it's a matter of life and death, and we know that it's in the power of the tongue, that you said it before us and gave us the ability to choose. And so we thank you that you told us what to do. You gave us a choice, and then you told us what to choose. You said choose life. It would be unfair to give us a test and then never have given us the answer. But you literally said, here's the test, and here's the answer, and this will help you to live long upon the earth. And so we thank you for all that you're doing in our midst. We thank you for the revelation. We thank you for light. And we know that uh, as we walk in this light, uh, it'll qualify us for more light. We know that when we don't walk in the light we have, that's why we struggle with getting more light. So we know that we have to do as we understand, and you will continue to bless us with more. We thank you for it right now in Jesus' name. And all the believers said, amen. All right, we love